Welcome to season six of Paper Talk, where we talk about tips and tricks on navigating and building your small creative business. I'm Quinn Nguyen of Pinga Mosey. I'm Jessie Chu of Crafted to Bloom. And I'm Sarah Kim of Handmade by Sarah Kim. In season six, we'll be sharing our experiences and insights on running a small creative business from managing finances to building your brand. We'll also be interviewing other small business owners and experts in the field to get their perspectives and advice. So join us as we dive into the world of small creative businesses and help you take it to the next level. Welcome back to another episode of Paper Talk. Thank you for joining us today. I have Sarah and myself today, and we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving if you're celebrating Thanksgiving in the United States. And if you're not, happy eating because Thanksgiving to me is all about eating. How about you, Sarah? I'm so excited. I'm actually going to be in Seattle during Thanksgiving, so I'm excited. That's going to be awesome. (laughs) Are you cooking the turkey or is your sister, family, what's Uh, going on? (laughs) We're actually going to be there before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, and then we're going to come back to California with my family for Thanksgiving. So maybe we'll have a pre-appetizer <laughs> there with family. Yeah. I found another great dim sum place. It's actually in Chinatown. And it's an old oh. place that they renovated and brought in a new chef. And the food is amazing. If you guys have not been oh. you're living in the Seattle area, it's called Hong Kong Bistro. Get there early oh. because the line wraps around the block. It's crazy how busy they are. And it's a really big place oh. too. But we'll have to go, Sarah. That place you took me. Yeah, you took me before and it was so good. That was like seriously one of my favorite meals there. Oh, I think you'll like I'm this excited. place even better. Because my husband thought it was okay, okay, but he really loved this place. <laughs> Yay, we love food. <laughs> so you guys, I wanted to talk about with the holidays coming up, usually that's when a lot of holidays day workshop happen. And if by now, if you haven't booked your holidays with brick and mortar, it's hard to do holiday workshops. So we want to talk about doing private workshop with you today. Things you need to think about, things you need to be prepared for, things that you want to send to the hosts in advance, whoever's hosting the private workshop. You could do it at your house or even better if you could do it at someone else's house, because that way they feel a lot more comfortable and They're hosting and they're bringing everyone to the workshops. You don't have to worry about advertising, marketing. So Sarah, do you do a lot of private workshops? I'm actually going to have one in November and it's going to be for, I believe, a bridal shower type of uh, workshop where all the bridal party will get together and make the flowers together and they're going to use the flowers they made for the wedding. Oh, fun. So it's a really cute concept and it'll be a private workshop at, I believe, like the mother of the bride's house. And I would say you would just first announce those kind of options on your website. Make sure you have those kind of terms like bridal shower, baby shower, birthday parties. And you would probably grab about an hour or two hours to do this type of activity with your guests and then go on with the rest of the event. But it's a popular one. I've done like a bachelorette one where Oh, a bunch fun. of girls came. Yeah, they came from Texas to California and then did a bachelorette party. They had an Airbnb and I did a class for them there. Oh, that's so, so it was really fun. fun. Yeah. As long as you have some knowledge of it, you should offer it. It's like doing private lessons, like piano lessons. It's such a great service that we can offer that people don't really think about. 
So really, when you're thinking about this, think a little bit outside the box because you're talented in so many different ways. Offer that as a service as a well-rounded artist, because not only you're offering beautifully crafted flowers, but you're also offering a wonderful service where you're teaching and sharing your love of paper flowers. Yeah. And actually, a lot of people ask me, that are in the paper flower community about how to start advertising it. But I think the best way is to start with your group of friends, with your family members. And it's like the perfect time to do it because of the holidays. So you do it with your family members and your friends, take pictures, and then mention that this is what we do at a home or outside in a park. And if you do it outside, actually, you could make it work. You could use battery run glue guns, quick dry tacky glue. So I would say it's still doable and it's really cute on pictures and on Instagram. And once you start posting it and showing people that's what you offer, it'll definitely be a huge part of business for paper flower makers. Another question as you're doing this, how do you get the process started? Let's say someone contacted you and I would love to do a private home party in my house. What do you do to get them set up for success? Because you're going to be walking into, because you probably won't be able to visit the place beforehand. You're going to be going in blind. How do you set up your success for this event? Number one is I just want to make sure everyone is having tables and chairs for everyone that's participating. And I do have a checklist of things for the people that are hosting it. So how many people are there going to be? I have a contract where you can't add people by a certain date. I don't want to show up and have someone last minute be a part of it and I can't make it work kind of thing. So just making sure that you have this kind of agreement of how many people there are going to be, how many chairs, how many tables. And if I am going to use a glue gun, I want to make sure there's going to be a nearby electric outlet. Sometimes I don't have that, then I'll make it so that it's tacky glue instead of glue gun. So just having those options There are definitely a lot of white tacky glue that works well, too. So you have to do some trial and error of what kind of white glue you like. One of the white glues I like is actually this like art glitter white glue, and it's for glitter. Oh, fun. Glitter art. That actually works really well. Well, And it's fast. Oh, I have to check into Mm -hmm. that. And it dries clear? And it dries clear. And it is, it was a trial and error. I've tried so many different types of white tacky glue, quick dry. And I want to make sure it's Mm non-toxic because there are really amazing glues, but it's like toxic. So I don't want to use that either. Yeah. So you just want to read all the reviews. And if you do have the opportunity to like buy one for every single brand, and test it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite so far. Oh, so, that's awesome. I don't know. Which one? Do you have a glue that you like using specifically? Workshops? Well, everyone does. I love my Aleens. And Aleens, because they are such a long history brand, they have so many different sizes and they have glue pins. They have the half an ounce, which is perfect for workshop. And then they have the one ounce one. And my favorite that I like to give to students are either the two ounce or the three ounce. And amazing enough, sometimes you can find it at the dollar store, which is great because sometimes Joanne doesn't have that particular size. They usually have the five ounce or the half an ounce. It's nice to have that two or three ounce because you can go for more detailed projects. And you can buy those in bulk through their sites. So yes, you, you can. It is a good brand to buy because I don't want to buy something where I can't find more than one either. You want to make sure that they have enough in stock. Yes. And you can actually get a wholesale account with Aleens, which I have, but you have to buy oh. a minimum amount and it comes in oh, okay. a pallet. 
So just be aware when you do place a wholesale order that you do have to meet their medium. Oh, I see. I see. Did you do that before? Yeah, I have. Where you buy? Yes. Oh. And so a truck came and they dropped everything into my garage. And my husband was like, what is this? Like, it's glue for the rest of my life. But surprisingly enough, I've used practically all of it already with all the numerous projects really? that I've done. And I did this. When did I do this? Probably in 2020. And now it's 23. It, I'm about to do another order because I've used so much glue. It's crazy. I had no idea I would go through it so quickly. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of bottles, you guys. <laughs> do you give out the glues per student or do you, is it like a reused thing? I like do. For every workshop. I usually give it one per person because it's usually a small amount. And to restock the glue again, it's just time and a hassle which usually I don't have. And I built that cost into my workshop so I don't have to worry okay. about paying for the glue. But the glue itself is not too expensive, but I do like to give several different forms of glue. When I go to a workshop, I like to give them a glue stick because Elings has a great glue stick and then a glue pen uh -huh. to have more fine line control and then the glue bottle. Mm -hmm. And you can use the glue bottle to refill the glue pen, which is really great. So I actually reuse all my glue for my classes. Mm -hmm. So it isn't a part of their materials that they get to keep. Mm -hmm. So it is a community supply. And I use hot glue for the ones that are more intricate. And my typical standard classes, I use hot glue. So it's something that I just put in the middle of two people and then they share between two people and it's a battery run glue gun. That makes more sense when you have a glue gun that is more communal. But with a glue, I feel like a small sample glue bottle, it just makes more sense just give it to them for me. And yeah, but I have done just like regular tacky glue and it was like a medium size. I don't think it was necessarily small and it wasn't really big or anything like that. But I've done it where it's just community too. That's how my classes are work. So I would say you would have to figure out how you want to run your class. But scissors and glue and some of the markers, I would say, would be something that I would reuse for all my classes. So it's not something you can keep. But I do have a list of those supplies for them if they want to go purchase it at home. And typically, I only like to use those community supplies for things that they can go find at home. Yeah. Like scissors. You don't need me to give you scissors <laughs> is what I would think. I'm sure if I had really cute scissors for them, they would want them. But yeah, that's how my classes are run, which might be a little different from yours. Sometimes I do give them scissors for the workshop. And sometimes it's just more communal where I just hand out the scissors. But I found that once they use the Kai scissors that I use, they're like, can I buy this pair of scissors? And so sometimes oh. I'll just sell it to them at the very end. Okay. Once you get your hands on Kai scissors, it just cuts like butter. And it's nothing mm. like anything else in the market, which I just absolutely love. It just fits my hand really well. And it has a great balance that when I cut, it's not, it doesn't fatigue my hand. Mm. Are they eight inch scissors? Usually I give them. Or the, are they smaller? They're smaller. The six and a half one. Okay. Because okay. that works. For, okay. It has a more pointy point. You can actually cut more details into your paper with that versus the eight and a half. I call that my workhorse because it will cut through many layers of crepe paper and I have to, right. to cut like long straight lines. It's great for that. But sometimes I'll use the six and a half for everything because it's just easy mm. and lightweight, but it doesn't cut through as many layers. I'll have to try them. Yes. Yeah, I actually give them really cute scissors that are not that good. <laughs> <laughs> they're just really cute because they're gold. 
So that's my thing is I want it to be very cute looking overall. And Mm -hmm. not that like gold scissors make it like any better, but I do have a a set of gold scissors for my workshops Mm -hmm. that I use throughout all my classes. And it really is just so they could Instagram it yes. in the beginning and make it so that it's cute. And it's like a nice setup. It is a really so nice they are, way to photograph things. It just looks prettier than a black handle yeah. silver <laughs> scissors. Yes. But in reality, I use these black handle scissors too at home. <laughs> I know you like the Ginger a lot. Is that what the brand that you use? Yes, that's the brand I use. But I would love to try the scissors you're talking about. I always go through all the different supplies just to test it out myself and then go with what I like overall. Just like I did with tacky glue. Yeah. I had to go through so many different types of glue. And I've actually recently gone through this one small little bottle that I really like. I don't really actually know the name of it, but I'm going to have to test out different scissors too. Yes. And now I know what to get you for Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yay. So besides getting all these different supplies and materials for the workshops, what else? One thing you want to think in mind is when you're making the paper flowers at someone's home, how do you protect the tables? So I, I usually bring a, a court mat and I usually get them at the dollar store. Mm-hmm. They come in pretty big size. And so that will give them enough workspace. And it also gives a little area where the students, this is my space. So no one's overcrowding each other, which is really nice too. Because sometimes crate paper, they just get everywhere. You're cutting and I'll make sure you also have a little trash bin for all the crate paper because there's a lot of extra bits that comes off when you're cutting the petals and doing all the different things for paper flowers. That's a good one. I would say I, I usually go to a place that hosts my classes and they do a lot of the cleaning for me. Oh, that's awesome. So they usually cover it up with butcher paper or shipping paper or something. Yeah. So they do cover up the table. So at the end, it's real quick how they clean it up. But I definitely don't want to be poking holes on other people's tables. or uh, So usually I do have a little cork like piece mm-hmm. where you can do all the hole part on there, like poking the hole. But that's a good one to have like a placemat, like a dinner placemat, but like for crafting. Yeah, it's really great. And it's nice and polished. Mm. You can actually put a sticker on there too. It's a great Instagram moment when they're like cutting and there's a picture of your logo on the mat too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm always trying to make sure that like I have a branding purpose too Mm -hmm. when it comes to workshops because there's so many different types of people coming into your class. You want to make sure that you have your branding on point. Yes. And like every little detail I feel like matters when it comes to those workshops. It's not like you're giving them the flower you made, but you're trying to give them the whole experience. Exactly. But it's still a part of your brand. So I think it's very important. Yeah. Stick as many logos without being too much, but just enough that if they're going to Instagram that moment, it's going to catch your logo. So they don't have to even say who they're doing the workshop. It's already in the photo. And I overall like the common thread in all your packaging, in a sense. Yeah. So it's like a sticker on the top or like part of your flyer or your instruction guide. I'll have like your logo on it. Just looks a little bit more polished, like you said. Do you make all your stickers with your Cricut or do you go to somewhere professional? to make your stickers. Yeah, I actually just mass print them at home. And there's a it's like a little hack for you guys. I just use shipping label and it's just one whole sheet 
I print out like my, it's not even my logo. I just write my website, like a regular font over and over, like repeatedly on one line. And then I just cut it with paper cutter. I don't use my Cricut. If it's a fancier sticker that I want to give them, occasionally I'll do that, like for the holidays, especially like I want to give them an extra little gift. Then I'll make the stickers a little bit more professionally, like on my Cricut. But I just mass print that and I'll get a ton of stickers. That's awesome. And it's just a little label. So it really looks like a washi tape with your logo on it. I don't have a Cricut anymore, but I usually get my stickers through Sticker Mule and they always have a sale. So look for the sale. You can get easily 50 great high quality waterproof sticker that's for 50 for 20 bucks. And it's great to have around when you're putting things on. And it's great because you can put it on your water bottles and carry it around. And people are like, what's that? And that's a great conversation starter, which is wonderful. I like that. Yeah, actually, I did used to get them mass printed at, I think, at one of those websites. But I decided I would just change it up and make it at home too. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. you do both. I think that's a great use for the Cricut. And I'm thinking like, should I get the Cricut maker? Because that will cut crepe paper. I'll have to try it out for you and tell you how it works or whatnot. Yeah, because I get that question a lot when it comes with crepe paper. I, I don't really know how well it works because it's not the standard blade that you use. Mm-hmm. You have to use the rotary blade to cut. And I haven't really messed with it yet. Mm-hmm. My only concern is because you have to put it on a sticky mat. Like when you peel the mm-hmm. crepe paper off, does it stretch that crepe paper? Yeah. Keep the crepe Actually, intact. I wouldn't know. I'm so curious. Is that a good investment for me to make or not? Although I do love using it for other things. And if you guys actually don't know, I like to hand cut all my stuff even now, even though I have my Cricut, because sometimes I I feel like I'm a little faster than the machine itself. Yeah, that's how I feel too. When it comes to, but when it comes to those intricate things, it is really nice to have the Cricut. And I love still DIYing my stickers or iron-ons. That's what I actually use it more for, Mm -hmm. like for just other DIY stuff, necessarily paper flower. Okay. I want to ask you, because I'm so curious, like when you create your stickers or other things, do you, what printer do you use to print your things before you feed it into the Cricut to cut everything out? I print it on a regular standard Canon printer that you can find at your local wherever, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like staples or whatever. It's not a special printer and it really does print everything though. And I actually, speaking of the whole workshop stuff, I print all my workshop instructions that I give to my students at home. That's great. And sometimes like if it is like a hundred plus people workshop, because I do occasionally do like really big, massive workshops, then I'll get them just mass printed at like Staples or whatever. The best part, it does have a back feeder. And typically these days you can't find printers that have a back feeder. It's always just through the tray and it would like loop through a line well. So sometimes I do front and back and when it's through the back feeder, it aligns perfectly. But when it goes through the tray, it's all over the place. So that's the only. So I would say if you are looking for a printer, you should look for a printer that has a back tray. And also when you start your workshop, when you go in, do you, I usually state here are some of the house rules for this particular workshop, some of these are communal tools that we can all share, or these are things that you can take home with you. What do you do to get all your students on the same page? And how do you make sure that you're on time? Because usually when you're doing private things and there's a lot of girls that know each other, all they want to do is chit chat and just have fun. But you also need to like show them how to do something. How do you balance that? It's hard when it's a (laughs) private class, really. 
Because it's a lot longer than the typical classes that I do. Because the typical classes I do, I am really strict. I'm like, we're starting right now <laughs> and you got to leave. You got to leave at two hours. One of the reasons because of parking. Yes. The place that I do it at, they have a two hour limit parking. <laughs> so I'm like, you got to get out of here or you're going to start paying for parking. <laughs> I like that you're so thoughtful about that. (laughs) But yeah, private classes, it's actually a little tricky because I still want to make sure I'm like feeling the room and I don't want to be pushy. There was a time where actually like it got delayed so much because they're trying to just wait for everyone to be there to like not be pushy. Mm -hmm. And she was really nice to host for that party. She actually ended up like tipping me like an extra a few hundred bucks. Oh, that's just awesome. Because I was there a lot longer than what I was expecting. Yeah. So that is really nice. And maybe that's something that I would put on my contract in the future. I would be like, oh, if, if I'm there for an extra hour, then you need to pay me. Otherwise, they'll keep you there forever. <laughs> yeah. I think in the future, I would have to put that on my contract for sure. But mm-hmm. it was she was really nice because she just did it automatically for me. And that was actually my last workshop. I think right before summer, Mm -hmm. I did a private workshop for a birthday party and it was kind of really long and I didn't want to be rude about it, but I was, yeah, I was there, I think like an extra two hours. Oh, wow. That is much Mm -hmm. longer. Yeah. Like an hour Mm -hmm. is not a big deal, but when you reach the two hour mark and you've been there for Mm -hmm. four or five hours, that's like a long day to be actively teaching and engaging. It's very tiring. Even for me, mm-hmm. who's, I, I would say I'm very much an extrovert. After a long day like that, I just want to go and hibernate and just not talk this to is... anyone because I've overcharged myself with people. And I'm definitely an introvert. So it's like, I'm already like, oh no, I have to be here. <laughs> yeah. I'm an introvert, but like, I, I do have a teacher mode. Mm-hmm. So I do enjoy teaching. I don't think I like the mingling part. But I'm definitely, I do love teaching and seeing people learn and enjoy what I enjoy. Yeah. I do love that. Me too. And that's what gets me like continue to do these workshops. But I'm definitely not the person to mingle after. And it's hard. I am shy. And if there's a lot of like downtime in the beginning, I'm really shy. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm like super nervous. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's part of the job. Yeah, it's part of the job. And the great thing is when you're setting things up, that's the part where you don't have to mingle so much. Oh, I need to do mm-hmm. get the class ready. I'll talk to you in a little bit. And you do your thing, get yourself comfortable, set up, get to know like the hostess, the area that you're doing. And know where the bathroom is. Sometimes the guests that are coming, they don't even know where the bathroom is. So if the host is busy, oh, the bathroom's just around the corner. And another thing that I want to talk about is snacks, especially if you're having a long time. Make sure to have your own snack because sometimes the host will not provide it. And I always carry high juice with me. And that's always like a lovely treat that I always share with my students. This is my favorite sweet snack when I just need a little sugar rush. And you can tell the room when they get like, oh, I'm so tired and just hand out the sugar thing and then they're perky back up again. (laughs) And that's a clean snack. Like it is. You don't have like chocolate all over your hands or whatever. So be thoughtful about the snacks that you do bring, especially because we're making everything with our hand. I try not to bring chocolate unless it's a very small piece or M&Ms where it doesn't quite melt. And make sure you're aware of allergies too. Don't bring peanuts because you never know who's allergic to peanuts these days. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. 
the class that I usually do it at the venue, they give out cookies that are nut free and they'll do it at the end of the class. Oh, that's so nice. it's a really nice snack. Yeah, that they could reward themselves Yay! after they made the flower. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the Haichu one is a good one in the future for me. I, I would probably have those for like private classes. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a cute one. Yep. And oh, my other thing I want to talk before we end everything is, do you bring a gift for the hostess to thank you for hiring me to teach this workshop with for your friends and families? What do you do to say thank you and leave a really lasting impression on them? I think the best gift is really to give the flower you made during the class to the host. But sometimes I do that for my regular classes, too, and I'll do it as a giveaway. Oh, so that's like, a great idea. Maybe remember to put like a sticker on one of the kits and whoever sits on that specific seat will get the giveaway or whoever claims it first. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's such a great idea. One of my friend Kelly, she always does when she does her big events is to promote it on Instagram. She's whoever does the most Instagram story about this event will win the prize or the giveaway, which is oh, great. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is really nice when the guests at the end, I give them a moment to take pictures with the flowers they made or pictures with just like the space. Sometimes I'll bring even decorations along so they'll have a kind of photo op area. And it is really nice. And I do announce to make sure like they tag me and they use my hashtag for the event. So I think just making sure you have all of those things in place at the end, it'd be a really good just photo op time and even branding for you in the future. And you can even ask if you can use those photos for the future and then be able to advertise your class. And don't forget about testimonial. Always have a little stack of note cards. Oh, if you have a moment, can you just write me a testimonial? And then that way you can leave it on the table in the center or on the side by the snacks. And when they have a moment, they can just write down a great comment about the workshop. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to have to do that next time too. Yes, you should. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of snacks, I want to ask you, what are you snacking on right now? Especially with the holidays. What, are you eating a lot of really yummy stuff, fallish stuff right now? I want to say before the holidays, I want it to be as clean as possible. I'm like preparing myself for the holidays. Yes. So I've actually just been snacking on a lot of fruit, <laughs> but that's boring. So during the holidays, my favorite snack or can we say dessert? Yes. My favorite dessert is actually just a good old pumpkin pie from Costco. Oh, yes. Like why... Nothing could beat that pumpkin pie (laughs) in size and taste. Yes, and price. (laughs) And price. (laughs) Yay for Costco. (laughs) I know. Their stuff is just so good sometimes. I just, Mm -hmm. you can't beat it. I agree with you on that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I would say one thing I'm snacking on right now is, for me, it's year round. And it just depends on the ingredient side is spring rolls, like Vietnamese spring rolls with mm. the thin noodles, with lettuce, lots of herbs and just protein. And surprisingly, I don't like a lot of protein there, just a little bit. But salmon spring rolls are so good. I just love eating it. Is it smoked salmon or cooked salmon or raw salmon that you put in there? I usually do cooked salmon, but smoked salmon okay. would actually be really easy because, again, Costco mm-hmm. has this amazing packet of three types of smoked salmon that is mm-hmm. so good you guys if you haven't tried it yet 
it's just really delicious. They do amazing. And again, good in price mm-hmm. because you can't get that much smoked salmon for that cheap. Yeah. And one of the things I mm-hmm. love to do is I will take some of that smoked salmon, just break it apart, put it over some rice with furikake, and it's mm, so good. So good. Yes. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And happy workshop if you're doing any workshop the next few weeks. 